Um, this morning, I want to talk about something. We've got um, just a one-off message this morning. It's not part of a series anywhere or anything like that, but it's just it's a, it's a, something the Lord put on my heart uh, earlier this summer. And I just want to talk about it a little bit. Um, the concept is adoption. So in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, is one of the references. There's many in the Bible. We'll cover this one this morning, at least in part. But uh, a, a couple things. Um, how many know any or all of these famous people were adopted? Okay, Here's, we're, we're going to go back in time here. We're going to jump all over the place, but <clears throat> we're going to go back a little bit. Babe Ruth was adopted. Anybody know that? I did not know that. Eleanor Roosevelt, first lady, was adopted. Melissa Gilbert from Little House on the Prairie fame. I, my mom was so excited when I moved to Minnesota. I actually actually went out west toward Walnut Grove, and you know, and then I said, hey, Mom, look, I was out here. It was great. She loved it, okay? So Melissa Gilbert. John Hancock, one of the signers of the Independence, the Declaration of Independence. Michael Orr, the movie was made about him, the pro football player for the Ravens. Nancy Reagan, first lady, Ronald Reagan's wife. Dave Thomas. Anybody here knew that? I think a lot of people knew that, right, being, being pretty uh, famous in, in the uh, food world. Edgar Allan Poe. Um, was adopted. Gerald R. Ford, Simone Biles is adopted, right? The most decorated gymnast in Olympic history. Tim McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill, both adopted. Isn't that great? Really cool stuff. Um, John Anderson, our very own John Anderson. Now, he's kind of famous in the uh, real estate world, but, you know, not on stage and screen yet. But I'll tell you what, if you want to talk to John about adoption sometime, He'll have an unbelievably powerful, moving story for you to hear. And it's going to be fantastic if you get a chance. Please uh, talk to John about that. I have a list of other people from our congregation that are adopted um, that I didn't check with, so I'm not mentioning their names this morning. But there are many people here at our church that have been adopted into families. So adoption's a really big deal. And, uh, well, speaking of big deals, we have two young ladies here at our church. They're sisters. Ashley and Lauren Gilbert, and I'm going to ask you two to stand up. I know, I know. There you go, Ashley and Lauren. Everybody give them a clap. Thank you. Now, just out of college for both of them, just into their first jobs, into their careers, and both of them have sponsored children in Uganda. I just think, wow, what an incredible maturity. What an amazing commitment. What an understanding of God. So I'm so proud of these girls. And so I asked them, I said, would you like to come up and talk about that? And they said, no, absolutely not. I'm not getting up there. I'm not getting up there. So, but they both have incredible stories. And I'm going to read um, something Ashley wrote for us this morning so that they can know a little bit about her journey. And you can just see the tender sweetness of the hearts of these two young ladies. So this is written by Ashley. In April of this year, God put it on my heart to sponsor a child. One day after church, I started looking, and it was a hard decision as you want to help all these kids out. Really, it doesn't matter who you choose because you're making a huge difference in their life. But for me, I wanted God to lay someone specific on my heart who really needed my help. After coming across a few kids, I prayed about it, and I went back to look the next day, and they had all been sponsored. I thought, about looking for someone with the same birthday as mine. And I came across two girls that had been waiting for someone to sponsor them for over a year. 
It was a hard decision at first, but after reading about Jezira, right, Jezira, <clears throat> I knew God wanted me to sponsor her. Jezira being so close to Jehira, meaning God will provide, I knew it was meant to be. She's 12, year old, 12 years old, lives in Kalongo, Uganda. She lives with her brother and grandparents. The HIV and AIDS crisis has severely damaged the social fabric of the entire country, the community, leaving so many children without their parents. I felt so drawn to her because I was close to my grandparents and I wanted to give her the best future she can have with them. Also, I think it's special that we share the same birthday. But I also did this in memory of my grandmother who passed away on my birthday. So, very cool. Very cool. So, adoption's a big deal, and it means a lot. Now, these girls, they haven't brought them home. They're not living with the Gilberts or anything like that. But here we are halfway, literally halfway around the world, and two young ladies decide that they want to help. And these girls have a chance at a life they wouldn't have without them. And this is the whole concept behind adoption. You can have something that you can't have without it. And in Galatians 4, it says that when the fullness of time had come, this is verse 4 and 5, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, this is not exclusive to men, okay? This is for men and women. This is for all of us. Our salvation is the same. As I skipped a page here. As we look at God's plan, uh, I want to talk about it in three different with three different points this morning. And the first one is the whole the whole Trinity is involved in our adoption. Now, in the Old Testament, um, it gives us a great illustration under the law, that Israel was like a child under the law, and they had a guardian. So in Galatians 3, 23 and 24, it says this, Now before faith came, we were held, uh, held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be, excuse me, we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So the thing about the law is, is that you're under, right, you're under someone else's authority. This is not the st status that we have today. So on the, on the right-hand side under grace, we have adoption as a son. Now the difference between a child and a son is that a child cannot inherit. But God adopts us as sons and daughters, as adults. Why? because we immediately become heirs. And it's different than what we would think about adoption today. It's not that we're asking someone to come into our home. It's not that we're asking someone who's destitute that needs our help. It's that God has redeemed us. There's a regeneration that takes place there. And so we go from being someone whose status is separate from God and literally spiritually dead to being alive and being made part of his family. So we are regenerate, and as a result of that, we are free. The law couldn't save anybody. What saves is Jesus, but the law pointed everybody toward Jesus. 
So, the next part is not just God's plan for me, it's Jesus' purchase of me. Now, we're not going to cover everything that this entails, but I think some of the things that are really important are this. Who Jesus is. So, in verse 4, it says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under, right, the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So it's so important that we understand who Jesus is because he wasn't just a good man or a solid teacher or a great rabbi. He was literally and is literally God himself. He humbled himself and took on a suit, an earth suit, just like we have, a physical body like we have, but he never stopped being 100% God. So, in Genesis 3.15, it talks about this conflict that's going to come... It's going gonna, it's gonna, to um, be resolved as a result of this. And the conflict is simply this. It's between Satan and Jesus. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the reference there is what? Christ was going to suffer some kind of injury, right? There was going to be some kind of a problem for him in redeeming this, but the promise was made, and I know we're just in Genesis chapter 3. It just came up awful quick, didn't, didn't it? Not long after God created everything and got it all started, all already we need this salvation. But it shows that Jesus was going to have this conflict at some time in the future. There was going to be some kind of resolution that was going to come so when Jesus came, at this set time, enough time had transpired that God's plan for mankind, which included making the children of Israel his chosen people, right? We are now all going to be delivered by faith because of Christ's finished work on the cross. It's important that he came born of a woman and under the law. Because when we're reading this book of Galatians, there was a huge conflict that was going on in the church at that time. There was, now, you think about this, this is north, up uh, kind of toward the Black Sea, the area of Galatia. And there were Judaizers, and, and at this time, the gospel's being preached to both Jews and Gentiles, but there were Judaizers that were coming into the church and trying to steal people back and telling them that they needed to follow the law, which is absolutely false. The law was fulfilled, it was no longer in force, and therefore we can follow Jesus and have that freedom. But that's what the big conflict was. So the fact that he came in a way that, he could, that Paul could talk about and demonstrate that the, to the Jewish people who were preaching falsely and to the people who had asked Christ to be their Savior was incredibly important. So it shows that Jesus was in fact the one who satisfied the requirements of the law. And he came to redeem us. He came to pay the price for me. He came to set me free. And so us today, 2,000-some years later, after Jesus lived, we are free. We're absolutely free. Do we live like that? Do we completely understand that inheritance? Do we really grasp fully and completely what that freedom means? So we've got the Father had a plan, 
and he was to send Jesus, and then Jesus carried out his part of the plan, but there's a third part to this plan. The Holy Spirit then becomes involved in the inner workings of what's going on. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, By which he has granted us to his precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What an awesome and incredible thing. So the Holy Spirit comes and he personalizes this for me. I personally have the same nature as my Father in heaven. When I was born again, when I was regenerate, right, I had that nature. Now, the problem is I have two natures now. I have an old nature, which I don't have to listen to anymore, which I don't have to obey anymore, which I don't have to follow down the wrong path anymore, and I have this new nature because the Holy Spirit now lives inside me. So I don't have to listen to myself. I don't have to be the captain of my own ship. It's not a good thing. I can listen to the Holy Spirit, and he can direct me and take me where he wants me to go to serve God as I can. Now, as he wants. So here's the thing. When we think of inheritance, what do we think of? Right? There's a savings, there's an account, there's resources or whatever it is that your parents put aside for you so that when they pass away, they graduate, they go to heaven, there's some physical things that are left here in place for us. That's what we call our inheritance. Now, spiritually, it's not that bad. Right? I mean, I don't think anybody really thinks getting an inheritance is bad, right? But we don't have to wait until the passing of the previous generation, of a passing of our parents. We get to enjoy and participate in and operate in the inheritance and the benefits of it right now. Okay? Right now. This is not something we have to wait for. So in Ephesians 2.10... It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God invites us to join him. He invites us to participate with him. What an incredible opportunity. God has a plan, and now that you have the nature that's the same as your father, you have the opportunity to participate as he would have you do under his power and direction to accomplish these things. What an incredible thing that is. This is not us guessing. This is not us wondering, what's God's plan for me? What's God's will for me? His will is to follow his will. He says, hey, I've got great things going on. My whole plan is unfolding before the whole world, and you get to be part of it. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit of uh, salesman mode here. So next week, Shannon mentioned that we're going to have a ministry fair. And we have an opportunity for you to do multiple things. Number one, we're going to have community life group leaders out there. They'll be at their tables. They'll be able, you'll be able to sign up for them. All right? I've already, uh, already had a request to send names to one of the life groups because they want to create their own draft and see who they can grab and pull into their group, okay? So 
I had to remind him it's still baseball season. I get it, but that's not exactly how it works. But I appreciate you know the effort. So, but no, so it's just really good time for us to get out there and to see what's going on. Now, for us as a church, and maybe some here this morning haven't seen this before, we have what's called the picture of a disciple. And it's three-pronged in its approach. It's based on the uh, prayer of Ephesians uh, 3, uh, verses 14 through 21. And then it's also based in two prayers out of Colossians. But it's loving God, love the family of God, and love those far from God. So when you, when you come next week, there's going to be an opportunity for you to join a community group. And the community group for this next year, groups just in general, there's going to be many different studies that you can use, but we're going to really focus on our relationship with God. One of the things that we see happen constantly in this world is people don't know their identity that they have because of Christ and what their identity is in Christ. But we also want them to understand this great sense of immersion and intimacy and impact that can come out of the understanding of really loving God. Now, the impact isn't what we're talking about where you go out and you do wonderful and marvelous things. The first impact we're talking about is this. You receive new instructions from the Lord. He wants to make an impact in you. Right? This salvation that we have, it's not a selfish thing to say, it's for me. God made it for me. The Holy Spirit's personalizing it, and he says, hey, Grant, listen, I want you to be involved in my will this way, at this place, at this time. Right? We have these instructions. We have this great ability to know what God wants us to do. And part of it is, if you're here as part of this congregation, the elders of a meeting, right? We've been talking to community group leaders. We've been talking to other leaders and other ministries. But the point is, is that we've got a direction, and we're moving things ahead, and we're trying to create this unity within the body so that what happens? There's an explosion of grace that emerges from these doors and just covers over the next several year, years the areas in and around Golden Valley, Oak Grove, the physical building, right? But the community surrounding us, and not only that, but it will breach and go across the world. So that's what we're really looking forward to as part of the sign-ups for next week. So we've got this loving God. The second part is loving the family of God. So there are areas of ministry that we are constantly needing helpers in. One of them is children's ministry. We need people that God has called to go and help down in children's ministry. Sometimes there's a need in the nursery. Sometimes there's a need as teachers downstairs. Sometimes there's a need in Awana on Wednesday night. But there's always this change. We know on average, the average person lasts between four and seven years in any given ministry spot that they're plunked down in. Okay? And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of what we see as average. Now, the thing that's amazing is we have a lot of people around here that are way beyond the average. People that have been working in Awana for literally decades, as an example. All right, there's, there's youth group. There's 
If you want to help set up for communion, you can do that. Help with baptisms, you can do that. There's multiple things that you'll see put out in front and you'll be able to participate in and sign up for next week and just even check it out and start praying about it. So these things will be take, kicking off here uh, relatively quickie, quickly. All right, the next thing is this. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus. In 1 John 3, 1 and 2, it says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. There is a definitive, there's, there's a, a preset time that God says, okay, we went through thousands of years of, her, of human history and we came to the point where it was a set time that Jesus was going to be born. He was, for a set number of years, he was going to minister. For a set period of time, he was going to be dead in the grave and then he's going to be re- released and set free for another period of time, right? So Jesus went back to sit at the right hand of the Father on the throne in heaven, and there is a time when Jesus is coming back. And this is not coming back to the earth to rule and reign. We're not going to make that mistake. This is him coming in the clouds, and he's going to take us with him. Is that awesome or what? I remember as a young child, I, was in, uh, I think it was about 10 years old, I was in Sunday school class, and my Sunday school teacher said, we, we were talking about this. My Sunday school teacher said, you know, Granny goes, I don't think I'm going to die. I think Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime. Wouldn't that be awesome? Isn't that amazing? It literally says in the twinkling of an eye, boom, right? We're out of here. But that's the thing that's so excited. That's the goal, right? That's what we're after. That's the prize, is that when Jesus comes back, he finds us doing exactly what he's called us to do individually, so that we are carrying out his plan, and at the time that it's, he's supposed to, just like when he was born, he's going to come back, and then he's going to take us with him. If you're born again. If you're not, you'll see it, and it'll be done. And you'll be here. And maybe that friend or family neighbor that you love dearly is gone. And they had tried to tell you about the love of Christ. They had tried to tell you that the only way to heaven is accepting Christ as your Savior. And you didn't do it. That is not what we want to have happen. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, we want you to do it now. We want you to do it today. There's no real reason not. God is pursuing you. Right? That's why you're here. If you're here this morning you're hearing this, this is what it looks like when God is pursuing you. You have a great place. You have people around that look good. They smell good. You have a comfy chair. This is God pursuing you. Right? I mean, you know, when I don't do stuff at home, God, Jesus, or excuse me, Jill pursuing me looks a whole lot different than that, right? This is a good thing. But no, seriously, right? God has given us this incredible opportunity to enjoy and to know love like we've never had it before. And we just want you to have it. We've got it. And the great thing about it is you can look at our lives and go, hey, these are super people, but, you know, there's, like, Grant's just not perfect. That's exactly the point. I was just willing to admit to the Lord, I'm not, and I know I need you. 
So the Father had a plan. Jesus, right, he's the one that purchased us. And so the plan took the next step. And we now have the opportunity to walk into our inheritance immediately and start acting that inheritance out without the worry of it running out. Man, I hear people all the time now, what has happened to our retirement portfolios? <laughs> right? As the gas prices were going up, our stock portfolios and right, our retirement accounts, and all these things are heading down. You know why? We can't count on this world. This is not where our security is. So don't worry about that. Right? How can you say I'm retired? How can you say not worry about that? Don't worry about that. God knows. He knows every single scenario here, and he will take care of you. And you know how he does that in part? He plops you right here with us. The worst thing you can do is to walk out of here today and not accept Christ as your Savior if you have never done that. Because you isolate yourself. The worst thing you could do if you are struggling is to walk out here today and isolate yourself. Look, at there's hundreds of people around that are here to help you. They've been called specifically to do that, and they've been equipped to do that very thing. So don't leave without re resolving that today. Look forward to whatever comes. Does it mean we're here and we're exempt from pain and suffering and tough times? No. I bank the same place you do. Right? I have the same stock market that you do. I have the same gas as it doesn't like we're all in this together. The only hope we have is Jesus. That's it. All right. Um I think one of the key things in this world is a hard, hard place is to be humble. But if you have a need this morning, there's people here that consider it a great privilege that God would entrust a conversation between the two of you. I'm one of them. If you want to talk to me, please do it. The person that maybe brought you that you came with is sitting right beside you. It would be a great privilege and an honor for them to sit and talk to you and help them communicate to you how much God loves you uniquely, distinctly, and personally because he is truly what the scriptures say, our Father. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the great day today. We thank you for the awesome and amazing blessings you've given us this morning already. And Lord, as we get ready to sing, and we're so thankful for our worship team. These great things are just an unbelievable joy for us, and we're so grateful that we have the opportunity to enjoy these things together and to enjoy the incredible freedoms that we have. And Lord, as we move forward, please give us courage that we would um, not just sign up for community groups, but that we would dive into them, not just sign up to help in some area of service here at church, but that we would dive into it. We would just go whole hog. We would sell out to it. We saw Jesus paid it all. Jesus gave it all. And Father, I'd encourage us that we would have that same courage and strength. 
We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.